seat, uh, I'd like to get started. We have a lot to cover in one day, and before I turn this over to Miles and uh, his team, I wanted to say a few words. As the owner of this company, let me warn you that I speak plainly, which means I swear a bit. But I take sales training very seriously. And as our newest associate, it's important that you understand why this company succeeds. For many, many years, we've been exceptionally profitable. And the reason we make so much money is because we finally learned how to influence people. And by we, meaning me, well, I learned how to influence people the hard way. It took years of ball-busting work and lots of failures until I finally understood how. But now, but now the only thing I'm absolutely certain of is this. If you want to influence people, if you want to sell anything, then you first have to find their pain. You cannot and you will not build a trusted relationship with anyone if you don't first find out what causes them misery, what causes them discomfort, and what torments them day in and day out. Now I know all of you are sales virgins, and you were brought up on no worries and the theories of attraction, and I know every one of you went to tournaments where each participant gets a trophy no matter how terrible they performed, or how lame they prepared. But as of today, kindergarten is over. From this point on, from this exact moment, and right up to the day you die, you will only eat what you're prepared to kill with your own hands. Hey, it's me. Look, I know I've been a little bit over the top lately, and I... I guess I'm that girl now, the batshit crazy bitch, right? Is that how you'll talk about me? Is that how you describe me to your friends? Okay, I don't blame you. I counted and I've texted you 573 times with no reply. And well, that's a lot. I get it. So, I just wanted you to know I'm good now. I'm calm. I'm sane, I think. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for spray painting your apartment door. You're not a rapist, and I'll pay for your door to be repainted. And I won't be calling anymore, okay? So, so look, have a good life, and good luck with things. Bye. Hey! Hmm. Have you ever been punched in the face? No. Say thank you. Jesus, that, that fucking hurt! Ugh. Say thank you. Christ, thank you! For fuck's sakes, thank you!
Christ, Simon, that woman. Holy fuck, that woman just threw out the kid off the bridge. What? Simon, wake up. Jesus, Jesus, that kid's in the river. Simon, Jesus, that little kid's in the river. Holy shit. Oh, I can see him. Call 911. Oh Where's my fucking phone? He's gone, he's gone under. Simon, Jesus, Jesus, oh God, there's his head. Oh, I can see the top of his head. Uh, hi, emergency? Yeah, yeah, th there's a kid drowning. Well, someone oh, threw Christ. him off the James Street Bridge. Oh, Christ, the rapids. Simon, he's going to go under. Yes, it's a fucking emergency. The, the James Street Bridge. A little kid near the James Street Bridge. We need rescue now. Fuck. Fuck, I'm going in. Let go of my wrist, Simon. No, you are not. You'll die for fuck's sakes. Oh, God, Simon. He's gone under again. Oh, fuck. Fuck, Jesus. He's just a little kid. Let go of me. For fuck's sake. No, man. you can barely swim. You'll drown. Jesus, it's a child. He's only 15 yards away. We could reach him. Simon, fucking do something. I did. I called 911. Oh, fuck. Fuck, he bumped up again. Oh, God. Oh, God, there he is. Oh, they'll never get here in time. He's gonna control. He's gonna drown. We are not going in that water for fuck's sakes, Mark. It's freezing cold and we'll never make it. Oh, let go of me, Simon. Jesus Christ, let go of me. I'm gonna fuck you up if you don't let me go right now. No, we are leaving before the cops come. I don't want to be involved in this. We got weed, hash. Fuck that, man. We can't help. Are you fucking kidding me right now? I saw. Jesus, I saw that woman. Throw the kid over the rail! She murdered that kid! It's not our problem! Let's get out of here! 911 has your phone number, idiot! They'll trace you! Shit! Shit! Okay, we stay until the cops come, but you say nothing about seeing the woman throw the kid. We just saw him in the water. Do you understand? Help me pack up our shit. We have to hide all of this. Okay, I think I saw a big bush over there. Let's toss the bags in there. No way! Are you serious? We're witnesses. I saw her do it, man. What the mark? There is no telling how fucking crazy this woman is. She could come after you. Trust me, I've been a witness before and it's not worth it. Plus, the cops are going to start digging into why we're here. And neither one of us has a license. They will definitely find out about the fucking drugs. Fuck. 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 I can't see him. Can, can you see him? Oh, Jesus Christ, Simon, that poor kid. Maybe a camera picked it up, so it is not our problem, okay? Let's just wait and, and see what happens. I can, I can hear a helicopter. Shit, Mark, help me. Help me get rid of these. Swim, swim, come on. Just, just swim a bit longer, buddy, come on. take care of you. Nobody else is going to provide for you. And unless you understand this, you will be a victim all your life. A slave, somebody's bitch. And nobody will give a damn if you live or die. People who choose to be victims, well, they choose to throw their lives away. Now, despite all the bull you've been fed every day of your over-supervised helicopter lives, People do not chase after the things they want. They do not. They distance themselves from the stuff that causes them pain. There's a big difference.
people will do anything, spend any amount of money to avoid or prevent pain. People spend billions on cosmetic surgery. Why? Because of the pain of looking at themselves. People spend a fortune on clothes. Why? For the fear of making a poor first impression and being judged as incompetent or worse, as lower class. They dress to feel better about themselves and to have less pain. So if you learn only one thing and one thing only during this entire weekend, it's no pain, no sale, ever. And your job, despite all the flowery words in your job description, is to find pain. That's it. That's your new job description. You find pain. You drill down into the prospect's pain. You wallow in it with them. And when that client has tears in his eyes, you rescue him from the perversion of his pain. Because when you do, when the customer knows you understand his dilemma, you will help him escape from and minimize his pain, then and only then will you have a solid deal and probably a client for life. Well, the obvious question then is what is pain? We should know because it's everywhere. You can smell it when you walk down the street. It's tattooed onto the forehead of almost everyone you know. People wake up in fear. They trudge through their lives expecting tragedy to occur. They are fed fear for breakfast, lunch, and dinner by a news machine with a limitless supply. Fear, my young friends, is everywhere. So when you march into a prospect's office, please inhale deeply. Fill your lungs full of the raw human paranoia that hangs in the air like the sweet smell of your mother's home cooking. And recognize that aroma as the spicy scent of money. And money is the only thing in this whole universe that matters. Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. I'm just so fucking tired. Physically and mentally, I am drained. I hurt everywhere, and <laughs> I think my hair follicles hurt. They can do. They can do that. You know. I don't know if she. Knew. They can do that. I woke up this morning, and not a single strand of hair on my head was facing the same direction. <laughs> Not a single muscle had the same amount of throbbing and pain. Yeah, yeah they're all throbbing and in pain. <laughs> the gym kicked my ass last week. Trying to trim up as they say. Gotta keep the men interested, Hank. Gotta keep them interested in a single mom of two somehow. I have three bathrooms to clean. I have, I have three bedrooms that need to be tidied and dusted, like yesterday, and a dog. <laughs> I have a dog that needs to be walked, and all that shit can pile up. It has piled up. I need help. The kiddos, they can't help me, though. They can barely wipe their own asses. Oh, ass wiping, there's another thing to add to the list. I have three asses to wipe. Now that is a skill I never thought I would have to put on my repertoire. Well, wiping my own ass, I guess, is something I will hopefully do for the rest of my life. 
But wiping someone else's ass is is bizarre to say the least. Where's my wine? Empty? Fuck! This line is secure, right? This is just a place to vent. I hate my life. The majority of the time. It is just so fucking hard. And he just packed up his shit and left. I woke up and he was gone. Poof, like a magician's illusion. Just like, just like the trick, it was all misdirection. I mean, I mean, two kids. A big ass dog that he fucking wanted. And then the greatest disappearing act since, I don't know, Amelia Earhart. Misdirection. I loved him so much. I never wanted kids, but he did. I fucking hate dogs. He didn't. But he said the words I do, and he was emphatic. He cried. Three years after he ran away, he was found dead in a ditch, hit by a Toyota. Probably running away from some other unsuspecting family. Whatever. Who cares? And they... <sighs> they ask me about him. All the time. I ignore it as much as possible. I deflect. Obviously not for their benefit, but for mine. I'm, I'm just not ready to deal with it. Plus, I... I don't think my self-esteem can handle it. I hate my life enough as it is. I really don't want that landing on the shit pile as well. And I am so fucking tired. I need a break. <laughs> it's funny. Every time I cry at night, which is way more than it should be, about how awful my kids have been that day, I feel so goddamn guilty. It makes me feel even worse about my life. But then, you know, I laugh. Because this is how moms think. We doubt ourselves, and then we feel gross, and then we realize that nothing is more important than the kids. Nothing. And fuck him for not seeing that. Fuck him. Hmm. I feel better. Thanks, Hank. Do you have wine delivery service? Or bread, maybe some breadsticks? I need more wine. 
So how do you find pain? The simple answer is you ask questions and you answer questions with a question and you think in questions and you small talk in questions and you dream in questions. A man comes up to me and asks how my day is going. My response is, that's an interesting question. Why do you ask it? As a sales agent, I want information. I gather facts and data. I want to know how people feel about things. I walk into a prospect's office. The only thing I must know is how are things going? And the next thing I want to know is could things get better? And finally, what I really want to know is how are things going to get better? And that, my young friend, is when we begin to discover his pain. The how question is the start of the pain funnel. You want to know how things are going to get better. You see, how is a pain question. And this is where you plant your feet. Your prospect will pour his soul out to you right there in the office. You will hear all kinds of things. My people aren't trained. Upper management doesn't care. The product is unreliable and the callbacks are killing us and on and on. And then you will ask, why doesn't upper management care? And you will ask, how does it make your prospect feel when his bosses come down and take a dump on his desk? And you will ask, when did it all start? And you will ask, where does he think things are going? And when does he think things will change? And my young friends, you stay in that pain funnel until finally you see the emotion in your prospect's eyes because people analyze rationally, but they make decisions emotionally. And when he feels emotionally connected to you, he will hire you. He will buy our products and those products will make his life better in every way because they will lessen his pain. Hundreds of thousands of times we have done this for clients and most of our clients have 10 years or more with us. And if you listen to my advice and do what I'm teaching you to do, your pain will be gone too. Okay, that's my bit. Those of you who show up tomorrow, I will get to know you on a more personal level. Those who choose not to, I wish you well. Enjoy the rest of the day. Hi, and thanks for taking my call. I think about this thing that happened to me every day and I wanted to share it with you guys. So thanks Hank and everyone, all you guys, for letting me tell the story. About five years ago, I was driving home from work and it was dark and cold and starting to snow. Suddenly this little girl just appears on the side of the road. She comes out of nowhere and she's a tiny thing, maybe four or five years old. God, I, I shiver every time I think of her, but suddenly there she is, walking along the shoulder of a two-lane highway at night. No coat, bare arms, wearing a, a summer dress with daisies on it. Long, dark hair and sandals on her feet. This little kid alone, her back to the traffic, like dangerous as hell, right? 
As soon as I see her, I hit the brakes hard, and my car starts to slide sideways. I nearly slip into the ditch, and I skid to a stop about a hundred feet by her. I jump out of the car, and Jesus, I, I'm in my high heels, but I run back to look for her, and I'm in a panic, not thinking at all. I'm just reacting, and I, I get this weird feeling that I'm not the one making the decisions anymore. Now, my headlights are pointed the wrong way, right? So I can't see her, and there is no moon, and snow is coming down hard, and I can't find her. For a second, I think... Maybe I'm hallucinating. Maybe this is some sort of acid flashback. But I know I saw her. So I run back to where I thought she was and she isn't there. I panic. I can hear my heart pounding, I'm that scared. So I yell out something like, Hey, sweetheart, I, I wanna help you. I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I tried to sound friendly, but I'm freaking out. She could die. Then I see something move. It's her hair. She'd run down into the ditch and she is hiding under some old dirty garbage bag. I can see her one sandal sticking out. And her hair. I'm staring at it when a switch flips inside my head. Immediately, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. Everything is surreal. I don't know what that feeling is called, that detachment, but I felt like I was watching myself, that I wasn't myself anymore. I'm sure if I looked in a mirror, I wouldn't have recognized myself. This is so unreal, but I hear a train whistle way off somewhere, and it kind of wakes me up. It's like I've been in a dream, but now I'm awake, and when I look down at her, I don't feel any fear at all, and I realize I'm on a mission. I sneak down towards this little girl, and I'm super quiet, because I think for sure she'll bolt if she hears anything. My heart is pounding, but I don't feel any fear. None. I lift the garbage bag off her, like very gently, and she just stares up at me. <laughs> My god, the, the look in those eyes haunts me still. Stare, she gave me, turned me to stone. I froze. I couldn't move. Those dark, angry, four-year-old eyes, they keep staring at me like lasers right through me. And she's not afraid either. This little girl is nearly dead in a ditch and she has no fear in her eyes at all. But I know she's gonna make a break for it. So I'm in high heels in a ditch in the middle of a fucking blizzard. It's pitch black, it's snowing hard and the wind chill is dropping the temperature by the second. And I know if she bolts, I won't be able to catch her. I know if she runs, She's gonna die. I mean, what a fucking warrior this tiny bird is. And so I make this, this sudden grab for her ankle and I get hold of one of her legs with both of my hands. And I mean, mother of God, she exploded. She did not utter a sound, but in a flash, she is fighting me like a wild animal, like 
fuck? Her, her fingernails, her four-year-old fingernails drew blood on the backs of both of my hands and she got her teeth into my arm. She was like, what, 40 pounds? But it hurt like hell when she bit me. I could feel her teeth break the skin. She, she's a street fighter, this little cub, and she's tough. But right then, that's when some kind of a new determination in me takes hold. I shift into fight mode, and as anyone who knew me back then will tell you, I didn't have a fight mode. But Jesus, this, this little bundle of rage has pushed some button in me, and now she was going to have to kill me before I let go. I know people say shit like this all the time, like, like, I'd die for my kids, or I would take a bullet for you, but I meant it. It was a strange and really, really weird moment for me. Because for the very first time in my life, I actually knew I would die. Like, really physically die before I'd let go of her. This was new to me. This new anger. My anger. And it felt good. For the first time in my life, I had no escape. No plan B, no compromise, no back down, none of that. I'm in a ditch, on the side of an empty highway, cold as hell, snow coming down hard enough to blind you, and there are only two possible outcomes. Either I help her, or I die trying. Beauty of the binary choice. It's either A or B, and the clarity was amazing. That moment changed everything about me. Everything. For the first time ever, I felt fierce. I mean, I hate violence. I hate confrontation. I miss everybody. Let's all get along. But in that ditch, with that little girl attacking me like a wolverine, I found courage. I found a boldness I didn't know I had. We wrestled and I would not let go. We rolled down into the ditch. My shoes are now gone. My thousand dollar dress is torn in ten different places and bunched up over my waist. And I keep saying, I won't hurt you, I won't hurt you. But that made her fight even harder. And then suddenly, she goes limp. Completely ragdoll, she gives up. She stops fighting, kind of passes out. So I carry her back to my car, put my jacket around her and drove to the police station. Filled out some paperwork and, well, I never saw her again. But I think about her every day. She was small, but a genuine fighter. And while I think maybe I saved her life, she also saved mine. Since her, I look at things differently. I'm more confident and I speak my mind. I don't seem to fear anything anymore. I'm not scared of the world or scared of death even. And maybe that's the trick. To not be afraid of pain or the constant worry about death. And this new attitude, this new self-awareness has paid off for me in a thousand different ways. I've been promoted several times at work. People comment that I seem taller. I guess because I stand up straight and look them in the eye. And the oddest thing is, I'm a hell of a public speaker where I used to pee my pants if I had to even talk to a couple of co-workers at the same time. This encounter, 
this small little human being change the way I look at everything. And if I ever need courage, I think about her. I hope she's okay. I have this sick feeling that maybe she isn't. Well, how unfair that her pain served me so well. How insane is that? But, well, things happen for a reason, I guess. Or is it the other way around? There's a reason things happen? Whatever. <laughs> Thanks for listening.